So please turn with me to chapter 11 of Hebrews. Um, this is a chapter which uh, tells us what faith means and how it works out in practice. We'll be looking mainly at verses 23 to 27. And the title of this message, which you've probably seen or heard, is Walking by Faith, Not by Sight. And put simply, walking by faith means trusting what God has revealed about himself and about us and living in the light of that. Now, I don't know whether any of you have seen the Indiana Jones uh, films. Towards the end of the third film in the series called Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the hero, if you've seen it, played by Harrison Ford, uh, he comes to this vast chasm and to cross it and to uh, find the, the Holy Grail, he has to have what some people might call blind faith. He has, as it were, to shut his eyes and uh, step off into nothing. Thankfully, when he does so, and no doubt to the immense relief of the viewers, he finds that he stepped onto an invisible bridge. And so everything is okay after all. Now that may be Hollywood's view of faith. But that's not faith as the Bible describes it. Biblical faith is not blind. Of course everyone exercises faith in the sense of trust or confidence, don't they? Whatever they believe or do not believe about God. And in that sense, anyone who puts money in a bank, uh, anyone who entrusts themselves to a surgeon, anyone who even drinks water from a tap, and anyone who votes for a particular party uh, or person or candidate in an election exercises faith. And yes, belief in God does require faith, but so does not believing in God. There's nothing scientific about atheism. The real issue is, what evidence do we have for that faith? And who deserves our trust? You know, even romance has some basis in knowledge. How do people fall in love? Well, do men and women uh, come to love each other, as uh, Dale Ralph Davis says in one of his commentaries, simply by ooing and eyeing? Is that how they, they come to love one another? Well, of course not. Surely they talk to each other, they communicate with each other, they find out about each other. They found out about their past, their likes, their dislikes, their character, and so on. And so it is with faith that we find in the Bible. Faith isn't just some kind of warm, cozy feeling that we get about God. Faith grows, if at all, by hearing what God has done for his people. And Hebrews has a lot to say about that. 
So we have a general description of faith in verse 1 of chapter 11. Faith, says the NIV, is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And two questions come to mind here. First, what does the author mean? And second, why does he describe faith in that way? So first of all, what on earth does he mean by describing faith as being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see? He's saying that faith is a settled confidence that something that is not yet seen but which has been promised by God will come to pass because God will bring it to pass. And the heroes describe in this chapter, chapter 11, had that kind of faith. They rested their souls on what God had said in his word. Now, secondly, why does the author describe faith in that way? Well, he's doing so because he's wanting to encourage a group of persecuted Christians to persevere in the Christian life, to keep going in spite of the difficulties. We can't be uh, certain, uh, but these were probably Jewish Christians living in Rome at the time of the Emperor Nero. And Hebrews 10 33 to uh, 34 tells us that they'd had their property confiscated. They'd been exposed to public disgrace uh, and persecution. They suffered a lot. And as a result, well, it seems that some of them stopped coming to church, if I can put it that way. And the author has to tell them not to give up meeting together as some of them were in the habit of doing. And the author of this letter to the Hebrews is writing to warn, warn the Hebrews not to abandon their faith in Christ and to go back to Judaism. And to encourage them, he's going to show the continuity between them and as Hebrew Christians and some of the heroes of the Old Testament. And then in verse 23... He comes to the life of Moses, that, that great pivotal figure of the Old Testament. What was Moses' faith like? What was his approach to suffering? What were the characteristics of his faith? And if you're a believer, these things are going to be characteristics of your faith as well. So we come to my first heading, which is this, faith obeys God. And this is a shorthand way of saying that those who have true faith obey God. Faith isn't just a verbal expression of our belief. Faith, says the Apostle James, I think in James 2.17, is always accompanied by action. That is by obedience to God's word. It's the visible expression of an invisible faith. Now, the first reference to Moses in this passage describes the faith that his parents exercised on his behalf. And in the second book of the Bible, called Exodus, we're told how the people of Israel were treated as slaves in the land of Egypt. Their numbers had increased so much that uh, Pharaoh, the king of of, uh, Egypt, 
had ordered all his people to, to throw into the river Nile every boy born to the Hebrew, uh, to the Hebrew parents. Now that put Moses' parents, Amram and Jochebed, in a very difficult position. They had to choose between having their baby Moses killed or putting their own lives in danger. And what were they going to do? Well, the answer comes in verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was no ordinary child, says the NIV, or, if you've got the ESV, because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's Egypt. What made Amram and Jochebed make such a, a difficult and dangerous decision? Well, according to verse 23, because they saw, says the ESV, that the child was beautiful. Now, that's a rather strange reason, isn't it? Does it mean that they wouldn't have saved their child if he had been an ugly baby? No. No, not at all. Perish the thought. There's, there's um, something more than parental love at work here. These are believing parents. By faith, they're able to discern the will of God. And in their eyes, the beauty of uh, the baby is a sign of God's favor. And uh, if you look at uh, Acts 7 and verse 20, <coughs> you'll see uh, in the SV that it says this, At this time, Moses was born and he was beautiful in God's sight. So, hiding this little boy was not the action of parents at their wits' end wondering what to do. This was an act of faith. This was obedience to a revelation from God. So, this was choosing to fear God rather than men. And the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, isn't it? As Proverbs says. And their faith in God didn't mean ignoring common sense or the wisdom that God gives to those who trust him. No, their faith stirs them into action. Does your faith do that? Now, they didn't do extraordinary things like Moses did. No. They did ordinary things. But they did them in faith. And Jochebed wove that basket in faith and hid little Moses in it in faith. So when Pharaoh's daughter then unknowingly entrusted little Moses to his mother to look after, his parents then had the opportunity to teach him about the things of God. And isn't it strange to think that the Israelites' amazing deliverance from slavery in Egypt can be traced back to a time when two quite ordinary parents exercised faith in dark days. Now, isn't that an encouragement to parents and to grandparents 
and others who are seeking to raise children for God in the spiritual desert in which we live in these days. May we be those who train our children and grandchildren for eternity, not just for this world of time. And we must do this in Ezekiel's words, whether they hear or do not hear. And if we're Christian parents, let's not leave all the responsibility to the church. Let's not leave the, the, the Christian education of our children altogether to the church. Let's take time ourselves to impress God's commandments upon them while they're still young. Moses himself said, didn't he, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, I think it is, let's talk about those commands when we sit at home and uh, when we walk along the road and when we lie down and when we get up. So firstly, faith obeys God. Secondly, faith rejects worldly values. Verses 24 to 26. By faith, Moses, when he has grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So faith, then, involves making choices. Some choices are negative, some choices are positive. And we can see this in the life of Moses. When he was grown up, Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. And as a result, he became one of the princes of Egypt. And uh, according to Stephen in Acts chapter 7, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of Egypt. He had the best education that was available. He led a life of luxury. He had high status in Pharaoh's court. In time, he might have become ruler of all Egypt. But what do we read in verse 24? Here's a negative choice. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, why would he do that? And here's the positive side of the coin. He chose to be ill-treated with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. What is this reward that he's looking forward to? Well, faith looks not for this world's rewards, but to the reward that God will give. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, says verse 6 of Hebrews 11, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So by faith, Moses sees something that deserves far more of his time and his attention than all the pleasures of Egypt. And something which is worth more than all the treasures of Egypt. Where is, where is such wealth to be found? Where is there a greater treasury than even Pharaoh and the entire land of Egypt can put together? How can that be? Well, it's to be found among those downtrodden and afflicted 
people of God who are slaves in Egypt. Well, how can that be? Because they're the afflicted people of God. It's to them that the covenants and the promises of God belong. They have more wealth than anything Pharaoh can offer. Who are the wealthiest people in Wales today? Not those with the biggest bank balance. Not those who own more land than anyone else. Not those at all. The truly wealthy people are those who have God on their side. Where's the biggest treasury in this land of Wales today? Well, it's not in the banks. It's wherever God's people are gathered around God's word and have faith in the God of that word. Of course, we can enjoy everything that's good in our culture. But God's people are to refuse to follow the spirits of this godless age. And worldliness isn't primarily about um, whether we drink or smoke or whether we go to the cinema or whether we enjoy various pleasures. It's more fundamental than that. It concerns our whole mindset. And whether we're worldly or not doesn't depend on how much pleasure we take from life but on the spirit in which we take it. Worldliness is a, a, is a spirit that substitutes earthly goals, you know, pleasure, profit, popularity, etc., for life's true goal, which is the praise of God. And that's why the Apostle Paul had to tell those Christians in Rome, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Well, does your faith lead you to do that? Moses was also prepared to suffer hardship with the people of God. Now, Moses knew about the Messiah. He prophesied about that, didn't he, in Deuteronomy chapter 18. So... Moses, rather than turning away from the reproach of Christ, as the Hebrews were in danger of doing, he embraced it. That's how he began his race. But how did he persevere in the race? How did he cope with all those problems with the Israelites in the desert? And the answer is in verse 27. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. And that brings me to my final heading, which is faith sees the invisible. Verse 27, that's how Moses persevered. By faith he saw the one who is invisible. Now, doesn't that seem like a contradiction? How can anyone see what is by nature invisible? And yet... You know, we're perfectly familiar with that kind of thing in our everyday experience. We have ways of seeing things that would otherwise be invisible. We turn on this TV, don't we, and, and we can see things happening on the other side of the world. They're beyond our immediate horizons. And faith is the means God gives us 
to see things that are not within the range of our natural vision. Last year I had my eyes tested and I was given a new pair of glasses. But exercising faith means that we don't look at anything and everything um, through the lenses of this world. We have to be given a divine prescription. And it's one that enables us to have a 2020 uh, vision of this world because we can see it through the perspective of another world. And we live then not on the basis of what we see with our natural eyes, but on the basis of what God has said. And contrary to what atheists think, the Bible knows nothing about blind faith. In fact, the Word of God goes further. It says that faith is the very thing that enables believers to see. As Richard Baxter, the author of that uh, first hymn, put it, faith is a seeing grace. And if you don't have faith as the Bible describes it, you are the one who's blind. The God of this world has blinded the eyes and the minds of unbelievers, says the Apostle Paul, doesn't he? And if you don't um, really know God, you won't understand yourself, you won't understand your fellow men and women, and you won't understand the Christian faith. And when by God's grace you do understand it, then you'll know why you need a saviour to deliver you from your sins. But if you have that faith which trusts in Christ alone to save you from your sins, you can see things that were impossible for you to see before. You can see beyond the limits of time and space. Faith is the evidence of things not seen, says Hebrews 11.1. 1. So, who was this invisible one that... Uh, Moses was seeing by faith? Well, the short answer is God. But how can that be? Because doesn't the Bible say, um, John in his gospel say, no one has seen God at any time. And yet faith sees him. How does faith sees him? Faith sees him because God in his grace has revealed himself. He's revealed himself through his creation. Haven't you ever looked around and asked yourself, why isn't there just nothing? How is it that there's all this beauty and complexity uh, and yet such order in this universe? How is it that man is as unique as, as he is? But faith sees and understands this. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made out of things that are visible. But there is a far greater evidence of these things than this because the invisible God has visited this world in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. He, says the Apostle Paul, is the image of the invisible God. Jesus himself says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. And through Jesus Christ, it's possible for you and me to, to know the invisible God. We can't see Jesus, but we can hear his voice in God's word. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ, says the Bible. So spiritually speaking, without such faith, 
there's no seeing at all. And if you don't believe in Christ and his gospel, then let me tell you as someone who was once in the same position as you are, you are spiritually blind. But by God's grace, I know someone who can open the eyes of the blind. He did it for me. And he can do it for you. To see him is to see God. And even if you've been a churchgoer all your life, even if your parents are Christians, but you yourself have never come to faith in Christ, well, come to him now. Put your trust in him. And whatever the rest of your life on earth may hold, you'll be saved from your sins. You'll be blessed for all eternity.